each and every Wednesday, we're going to try something a little bit different, a new show that we've established. Um, we're teaming up with our great friends at the Wolf Den. It's called Giddy Up's Great Game, and it's going to be an hour talking about thoroughbred racing with a little bit of a difference. And Richie Irvine, who is doing a wonderful job there in Sydney with the Wolf Den team, is going to join me each and every week. Richie, welcome to Giddy Up. Thanks, Gareth. Great to be here. Um, great to have you on the show. Now, you've been doing some wonderful work there at Wolf Den, and we've had a chat and we thought we could come together and um, deliver an hour with a little bit of difference, talk about the great games, not only in the, the gallops, but we've also got the, the trots and the, the greyhounds, some of the feature races we'll touch on there. We'll try and find you a few winners. We'll talk about a few of the big issues and um, have a little bit of fun, a bit of banter and see what this hour does for us, basically. And we love your feedback, 0499736736 to join the conversation. And uh, you can also record a message with SEN Talk. So you just go to our SEN app, click on Giddy Up with Gareth Hall, and you press the talk button, record your message, and um, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, yeah, basically that's that's about it really, Rich. Have I missed yeah, anything? Yeah. No, I don't think so, no. It's... Um... Yeah, you sort of described everything that the great game's about, and um, there's plenty to discuss about it always. Um, so let's rip in. Have you had a, have you had a lot of fun since you've taken over um, the Wolf Den and established that? Because I've enjoyed your content and I've enjoyed the way that you guys go about it and um, celebrating this the, the punt. I think sometimes we forget to celebrate the punt uh, because it's one of our favourite parts of the game, and also some of the um, the great stories that come out of the racing industries. Yeah, I think so. I think it's been um, one of the better things has been able to expose a lot of the characters um, in, in the great game. And so we all sort of learned the craft um, on track and had a lot of great times out there, a lot of great friendships. And as everyone's kind of moved away from the track, those friendships um, are harder to come by. But obviously, you know, everything's gone online now and everyone knows each other through like racing Twitter and, and different stuff like that. And a couple of years back, as things started to head in a social direction with you know, different different bookies coming board, in particular Davil and stuff. We looked at it and thought, you know, we could probably do a pretty good job of pulling together a, um, a social community. And so we sort of set about doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's going really well. It's um, It's been really enjoyable to do the content. It's been a huge learning curve. Um, it's not as easy as people probably think. Um, and we're still, you know, learning, learning all the time. But um, I guess the best thing about it too is like, you know, we're testament that anybody can do it. Like we just grabbed a couple of iPhones and just went for it. And with all the technology out there today and, and especially all the software that you can basically get for free, you can yeah. pull together really good content easily. Yeah, no, a lot of fun. And um, I think everybody enjoys the punning stories and that's what it's all about. And hopefully we can find you a few winners today and maybe during the week as well, because that's why it's the great game, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good judges on the den. I heard you saying before that you wouldn't have people on your show if they weren't good judges when you were talking to, I think it was Dean Watling. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of good judges out there yeah. and there's a lot of free, excellent information to try and help you win. 100%. All right, then we'll take our first break. We'll come back with a heap of different topics. We'll have a chat about um, what a world, which is a segment about that just like shakes our head in disbelief, what people get up to these days. We'll talk about the great dilemma. I think the dilemma this week is... Um, would you keep Adam Hieronymus on Storm Boy, despite him or Storm Boy being purchased by Cornwall? Um, is it unfair that he gets the 
the, the sack, doesn't get the sack, but he's replaced by Ryan Moore or James McDonald or a horse like that. So there's plenty to discuss. Love your feedback. We'll find you plenty of winners today as well and throughout the week. Um, there's some feature racing that we'll touch on in the trots and the greyhounds also heading towards a big weekend of racing. So 0499 736 736 to join the conversation. We'll take a break. This is Giddy Up's Great Game. Richard Irvine, Gareth Hall with you on this Wednesday morning. We'll come back with plenty more. This is Giddy Up's Great Game. Richard Irvine, Gareth Hall with you this Wednesday morning as we take a different look at the racing industry. Hey, Rich. Now, Brent O'Brien from thestraight.com.au, or thestraight.com.au, they, they penned a really interesting article regarding the sale of Storm Boy and mm. what happens going forward. This is, um, if Coolmore purchased this horse, do they go with Ryan Moore, one of their jockeys, or do they stick with the hippo? who's done nothing wrong. He rides at 25% winning strike rate when he rides for the Waterhouse and Bot Camp, and he knows that horse really well. Um, it will be interesting to see how it unfolds, and there's nothing more that gets everybody up and about and drives opinions and gets everybody emotional when there's a jockey change on a good horse. Yeah. Look, I think almost certainly they would take Hippo off. Um, yeah. I think we saw what happened with Shinzo last year. Um, I think where it gets interesting, though, is with Switzerland, who's obviously yes. one from one was really impressive. Um, yeah, depending on where, where he ends up, maybe um, Hippo stays on Storm Boy because Switzerland, you know, I don't know. I know it seems a long way off at the moment, but might, you know, be close to favourite. I know that Storm Boy's obviously the dominant favourite at the moment. Um, but, look, I think overall, um, you know, Adam gets replaced. Do I think it's fair? Probably not. I do think it's interesting that if anyone can get her way, it's gay. Yes. And it'd be interesting um, if she was to get involved. What's your opinion? Well, I think that it's an interesting one where the – so if they sign a deal for $10 million, all right, and mm -hmm. then there's bonuses on top of them winning – this is just me making up numbers. I don't know I don't know what the numbers are, but just, just for this, this narrative here that we're talking about, say mm. they, they – they do a deal with Coolmore. The initial buy-in's $10 million, so it's their mm -hmm. horse. On top of that, there's bonuses along the way. If they win the Golden Slipper, there's another 10. And if they win the Triple Crown, um, we'll throw in another 15. So Gay Wardhouse might go, okay, then, or the connections might go, well, you give us that $10 million, but we want our jockey on who knows this horse better than anyone, and we think that he's the best person to ride this horse because we want to make sure we get these bonuses on top of the $10 million. There's a lot of money up for grabs. Mm. And on the flip side of it, Coolmore go, hang on a sec. We just paid you a lot of money for this horse, $10 million. And we decide who, who rides this horse because the Golden Slipper is worth a lot of money to us as well and the Triple Crown. We want to win this for you. So it's a... I don't know. It'll be fascinating to be. This is where we need cameras around the negotiating negotiation <laughs> table because... That's what makes it fascinating, this racing game. So I think Ryan Moore, at the end of the day, he's the he's the rider that's retained by Coolmore. If he wants to come to the Golden Slipper and if he wants to ride Storm Boy, I think he'll be allowed to ride, ride Storm Boy. What about J-Mac, though? Doesn't J-Mac um, have a pretty strong affiliation with Coolmore? Or? Yeah, I think he does, but he'll ride Switzerland, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So J-Mac did ride Cylinder last year for Godolphin. And yep. the last and there was a lot of talk that correct. would he ride Cylinder or, or Shinzo. Shinzo. Yeah. And then Chris and then Cadol I mean Coolmore decided, well, Ryan Moore wants to come out. So if we can't get J-Mac, we'll have Ryan Moore. So 
yeah, there's a lot to play out. Um, yeah. But mm. as Adam, Adam Hieronymus is going to get a lot of opportunities because Gay Waterhouse will probably have half the field the way that she's yeah. going at the moment. Yeah, it, it is incredible how well they're going, aren't they? Have it? you ever yeah. seen anything like that, Rich? Not really. And I, I think it's um, it's sort of interesting looking at Adrian's rise. You know, he's obviously – he had a great head start, but it's incredible what he's done. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's reinvigorated Gay's stable. You know, she's always been, you know, right up there, but it seems like she's – having one of the best runs she's ever had. And I guess you have to put a lot of it down to the Adrian factor, which I'm sure she'd be delighted yeah. about. I saw an interesting thing from John O'Shea saying that he's been at Randwick for 30 years and he thinks Storm Boy's the best Gay Waterhouse two-year-old he's seen. Yes. That's, that's pretty that's high praise. And, yeah. and uh, it's a good debate to have or a, a, a conversation to have. So in – Modern in the in the modern times when it comes to racing, there's been a lot of trainers like Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr., Peter Mooney and Kath Coleman, Adrian Bott and Gay Waterhouse. Who's been the, the best injection from a youth point of view into a stable? Mm. Um, I oh. think Adrian Bott would have to lead yeah. the way, but Michael Kent Jr.'s done wonders for for Mick Price, and so has say Kath Coleman for Peter Moody. Um, I think it's been mm. a big winner. Regardless which way you like, which doesn't matter which way you look at it, it's been a success. The yeah, youth no, coming definitely. into these stables. Yeah, well, then there's other examples. Um, ben Gleeson, even though he's only an assistant trainer, he's obviously got a lot of responsibility at Tiarco and he's obviously got Imperatras, yep. and he looks to be really impressive. And then to a degree, you look at the Hayes boys as well. They've come in and they're you know absolutely killing it as well. So. Yeah, there's there's a a real new brigade, and then you can go onto the Freedmans as well. All the young Freedmen. Yeah. Who are doing so well? So, so yeah. So I forgot. Like Lindsay Parker been sensational. I know that you caught up with the boys at Lindsay Park for Wolf Den recently, and they have been. I think they've been terrific for the for the game, and they have rejuvenated away at what Lindsay mm. Park's about. And that surprised a few. Many thought that Lindsay Park would be in trouble once David went to Hong Kong, but that hasn't mm. been the case. Hey, the King, who obviously works for you, the man behind the the, uh, the Wolf. I'm not Den. sure. I'm not sure if he'd say he works for me. He'd probably contest that. No, he works work works him. with me. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. He's the boss of the show, um, Kingsley yep. Bartholomew, who is one of the greatest punters that this country's ever seen. I'm fascinated to get your guys is, um, and we've talked about this as well. So, the way that you go about your future betting, say for these two year old races, now, giddy up. Um, now, um, so giddy up, we, we try and provide you information at home. So we did that on, on Monday morning. We had the Waterhouse and Bot Runner that was so impressive there at, on Saturday, um, in the Widden Stakes, of Lady course, of Lady of Camelot. Now, when we announced that she's going to the Blue Diamond, she was $13 with Bet365 and within five minutes she was $6.50. Um, and she's favourite with other markets at $4. So how do you guys go about trying to pick the eyes out of the two-year-old futures, or is that something you guys don't play in? We don't really get that involved in it. Yep. We uh, we actually had a little bit of a go at Switzerland after he won first yes. up, about $11 or $12, um, which was kind of cool. He's, he's firmed up a bit, but he seems well and truly short enough now. I think it's about $7 or something. That seems short enough after one run in a – you know, not the highest quality two-year-old race. Um, yeah, so we don't spend a whole lot of time doing that. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's just one day at a time with us. Like, the boys will be in there today at the den and they'll just be worried about getting through the 70 or 80 races yes. that are in front of us on a Wednesday. So 
Yeah. I think future um, betting, I don't mind it. It's a little bit of fun from time to time, but um, there's a lot that needs to go your way. Yeah, I mean, not, it's sort of the dream, isn't it? You back something at 20s or 25s and it gets you gets you in a good position. Um, and it's it's also enjoyable to follow along, you know, if you back horse now for the slipper and then you can, you know, listen to the trainer and watch it in trials and races and things like that. Yeah. I do that a bit with Super Bowl betting, which is obviously on Monday. I have some bets at the start of the season. Often they're not, they don't turn out to be the greatest bets during the season. They get well well beyond the price I took, but I don't really care because I get a lot of enjoyment out of just following the teams along, listening to coach interviews, mm. player interviews, all that kind of stuff. And I think that translates to, to futures betting as well. Yeah. So, like, futures betting in sport, do you find that a lot easier than, say, the, the racing game? Um, I think it's all all reasonably similar. Yeah. Um, I, look, to be t- when we bet futures in racing and sport, it's mostly for the enjoyment factor, not from a um, you know, I guess you could say like a real professional yeah. type of type of bet. It's more just because it's enjoyable to follow along. Um, there's also you know the, the markets are not particularly favourable for punters. They're you know you're betting into a lot of unknowns and a lot of percentage and stuff as well. So. You know, we all we all still do it. So yeah, the big news story um, over the last twenty four hours has been the situation with J Mac. Obviously, he's injured his toe quite badly. He's going mm. to miss ten days, so he's at least ten days. So you'll miss um, Wednesday and this Saturday, and he's hope he's hoping to be back Saturday week. This is what he had to say to us on Giddy Up this morning. Oh, it's just unfortunate that um, the young filly of the Dolphins just. It all got too much for her, and she um, she just reared reared up, and I ended up flinging out the back, and um, just hurt hurt my full of the foot, just around the toe area, the big toe, and um, um, I caught back on her. I thought I'd just burn around, and um, she's gone off on the gates again, and just caught caught my left foot again. So unfortunately, I couldn't um, take the ride after that, and it was. Um, but unfortunately, I was in a bit of pain, and yeah. So this is this is interesting, Rich. I did some mm. I did some research here about the most impactful jockeys when it comes to the racing game. So if if you were managing a jockey and you wanted to get an appearance fee out of one of the hoops, um, mm. J Mac is the person who you want to be managing, especially for his jurisdiction. So um, I asked a few of the traders around the country the impact that three jockeys have if they're not competing in their own jurisdiction. Now, this is a little the, – the three jockeys that I asked for were J-Mac, W. Pike, he's out for um, close to two months, and Zach Purton. Mm. Just from an Australian point of view, obviously it's a lot different in Hong Kong because if there's no Zach Purton with the Hong Kong punters with their own tote, it would probably be a little bit different. But they tell me when McDonald is not um, riding in Sydney, it seems to uh, – the most of the bookmakers seem to be holding 8 to 10% less, particularly on favourites, whom wow. he would have likely ridden for Waller, et cetera. In terms of racing extras markets, um, and watch this play specials, J-Mac is clearly the most popular in, in terms of turnover there. When mm. Pike rides in WA, there is no doubt he, his fancy runners attract additional market support, especially later in the day. Um, and Hong Kong stays consistent irrespective of the riders in this country, which surprised me a little bit. So I thought mm. Pikey would have a big influence pound for pound in his jurisdiction because how good he is and how dominant he is. But mm. there you go. That's the And we saw it in New Zealand when J-Mac went over there for the Caracas Millions that that turnover day was $2 million 
more than any other day that New Zealand has turned over on a race day, and they only had six six races. Yeah. So th- yeah. the power of the hoops is amazing. Yeah, and um, just on Karaka, did you follow it pretty closely? We followed it pretty closely, and Dan really enjoyed it. It's good to see um, New Zealand racing resurgent. Mm-hmm. Um, do you reckon yeah. we could get a punters club up? People have asked me if we can do it over here with what the boys get paid did. And they yeah. they played a, they they would have participated big time regarding how that the how because of that record turnover day there in New Zealand they were a big part of that but there's different rules and regulations in Australia it's not as easy to do what right, they did right is that what it's about yeah. yeah yeah which is crazy I mean you know it should just it's a great thing for racing um, I mean this I, I have seen them in the past with you know with other bookies and stuff like Little Birdie for example people would know them they're a good bunch of punters and they've They've been able to run punters clubs. Um, so there's got to be a way to do it. I think that the boys get paid the greatest advertisement possible for Tab New Zealand. And yeah. I think Tab New Zealand would have been cheering them on hard to win on the day. They want them to win. Correct. Um, because, yeah, it puts, puts a bit of money in all the punters' accounts who are in it um, and keeps them all going and, and gets that turnover going. But so, yeah, we definitely – and we've actually had internal conversations at Wolfden about trying to somewhat replicate what, what they do. Yeah. And it's sort of like what they do really well as well in – I've talked to the team there, Luke Kemsey, and it's like we do need to sometimes in racing that we don't embrace the punt. Like obviously you've got to be careful and there's situations that I think we're all aware of and I'm passionate about um, making sure that you look after your mates when it comes to anything in life, not just the punt, but if, if someone's going through a tough time that you're there for your mates and there's certain ways that you can check on your mates. But I think that like, Racing is so great. I think most of us love this game because of the punt. And what Luke's been able to do really well in New Zealand is embrace that, but also build a big family around the the, the punters club. And so, like, there's been lifelong friends that have come out of that that punters club. There's been situations where, like, um, when people are going through tough times, they would ring up the people that they meet during a, that that punters club, and they have that that common interest now that they it's racing and the punt. Um, and obviously you gamble responsibly, but that's what people forget about that. Like, I think sometimes we need to embrace what, how great it can be for people's lives. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge um, proponent of that and I couldn't be trying harder to talk to the government to make them realize that, you know, punting and and the great game and horse racing and trots and dogs are, are a way of life for us. And uh, you know, to sort of simplify it, look, the, the wagering industry's probably got out of its lane too much. We've annoyed the greater community, yeah. but we're in a position at the moment where, yeah, we have a really poor relationship with the wider community and the government, and I think that needs a lot of work. I'm sort of trying to make a difference, but I'm not really getting anywhere. Um, but what, what, yeah, Why maybe. is that, Rich? Like, I've seen your work, and I applaud you. Um, yeah, like I'm, I have a, a really strong relationship with all the regulators. Yeah, and you know, like racing New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, that kind of stuff. I've had sort of ongoing conversations with them, basically sort of saying to them that, you know, this is this is at a federal level now, and you need to get some punters in the room with the government. And none of them disagree. They're sort of, I feel that they kind of say like we're struggling to get in the room ourselves, um, and we have no issue with you getting in the room, but. They don't really seem to have any answers to get yeah. me in there. That's not to say that it might change. But so what was interesting is that some people might not know, but the, the government are looking quite deep in the industry and there's going to be some big changes which are going to have a profound impact. And there's been – so the social services – actually, no, sorry, the communications 
Communications Minister Michelle Rowlands had 66 meetings talking about where the industry is going to go and not one of those has been with a punter, um, including myself. And I could not have – I've written so many letters to yeah. her, got so much traction on Twitter. And and then I the final open letter that they actually acknowledged they got got read by one of her staff. It was obvious that he didn't even read it properly. He just gave me a generic response. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty disappointing. Um, it doesn't. I just don't understand how all these decisions can be made for the industry um, without speaking to at least one punter. I mean, it's it's you know it's just it's actually laughable. Well, if it's, it's gonna, the heart and soul of the game, and sort of like it drives everything. Breeders are important, but breeders wouldn't breed these horses if there wasn't prize money. Mm, um, mm, and mm. prize money is funded by the punter, and. Yeah. That's what builds hospitals and that's what builds a lot of stuff for local governments and governments because it's the punting dollar and that's why they've got a point of consumption tax and um, gambling, the gambling dollar has been such an important part in, in the helping governments build a lot of the infrastructure that we see in our world these days. So it is disappointing that's not the case. Mm. Um, the only solution I have, which I can briefly touch on if you want me to. Yeah, mate. Um, is like I made a suggestion that there should be a working, a wagering industry working committee set up with the government and it should sort of have a, a timeline of a couple of years and every three months, you know, representatives from Tabcorp, representatives from Responsible Wagering Australia, which represent most of the big corporates. You could possibly have someone from the breeding industry, definitely from the greyhound industry and the, and the harness industry, goes down to Canberra and, you know, talks to the communications minister if that's the department that's actually in charge of where wagering's going and the main reason I think that that needs to happen is so we don't end up in a situation at the moment where there's, you know, we're in a, we're on the back foot wagering industry. They're trying to slow us down when we're trying to speed things up, obviously in a in a responsible way and and, and minimising you know harm to the vulnerable. But yeah, I, you know, I've put that out there and no one's really come back to me. But I don't know. You look at the, what's happening at the moment and it's not good. So what's what are we going to do? Just keep going along where we have a poor relationship yeah. with the government and and they don't actually understand how the industry works. Yeah. Um, so it's I'd misunderstood like to see that in so many ways, which is frustrating. But we've got to continue to fight the fight. And um, a few text messages coming through here. Here, the leading cause of death in middle-aged men is suicide. The biggest cause of suicide is disconnection. Racing and the pun are vital to most men's connection. WhatsApp mm-hmm. groups, ownership, etc. And people have got to talk. And obviously. Um, there's certain you can ring a mate and um, and racing and what doesn't matter it could be sport and all that that brings people together so um, yeah we need to we need to get these messages across of course Lifeline Australia one three double one one four if you are struggling at the moment um, so yeah the, the, we could talk about this all day Rich and we'll talk about this throughout the the great game giddy ups great mm. game uh, game as we um, um, go throughout the weeks, but we need to take the news, 10.32. Coming up next, I like this, and I was talking to one of our, our great friends here on from Makita and Adam Baker when I caught up with him the other day. We thought of a new type of segment for a show like this called the What a World, where you just shake your head in disbelief on what's going on in this world, and that's coming up next straight after the news. Back to Giddy Up. This is Giddy Up's great game. Richie Irvine from the Wolf Den joining us, and you're with Gareth Hall, of course. Um, we'll talk about our new segment here on Giddy Up's great game in the final hour of our Wednesday show, and it's called What a World. And I was just looking through the form there at Warwick Farm the other day, and Richie, 
you've scratched this horse, suspect. <laughs> um, he was a $1.5 million yearly. No, 1.9. $1.9 million yearly. And now he's with Mitch Beer. What a world. This is like, <laughs> um, it's unbelievable how it all works out. And you're actually going to Nowra, they tell me now. I think so, yeah. So um, he's a, yeah, so 1.9 million Tom Magnier bought yeah. him at the Magic Million sales. Had a few starts for Waller. Um, and just obviously wasn't up to, you know, they, they buy these horses to win group one races. As soon as they can't win a group one race, they're no real use to Coolmore. Um, and Coolmore contacted Mitch Beer and said, look, we want this horse to go to a, a nice home. And yeah, we, um, and then, you know, Mitch put an offer of 50,000, which is a, a long way south of 1.9 million. <laughs> and then Mitch, um, contacted me and said, look, I think I've got a good one for you and some of the members at Wolfden, um, to race. And yeah, I sort of looked at it and thought, look, it stacks up. We're, we're a good chance to have some fun. Um, and yeah, he was supposed to run today, but he doesn't like the wet at all. And I think we're moving okay. to Nowra. Yes. But um, yeah, it's it's sort of, it is a bit of a talking point at the moment, the, these horses that cost a lot of money. And look, generally speaking, it doesn't look as though it goes all that well. However, you do have Switzerland, which was Coolmore bought for 1.5 million last year. And, um, look, he, he looks obviously pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So, um, and obviously Mitch B is a great character mm -hmm. and, um, so yeah. we back him more importantly at Nara then probably like he was, uh, it was $26 today and I thought that was a pretty good price. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Mitch thinks he's a good horse and he sort of says that I think we'll win a lot of races with him. Um, you know, so <laughs> that'll do us. So, so we'll yeah. have to wait for Nara. Um, as we continue on this, what a world, this man, um, um, I'm jealous of him. It's Mark Sarah. This is what he's doing in mm. the next, after Saturday's race meeting at Caulfield, this is his schedule as he heads to another Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. I've got the annual trip coming up. So, uh, it'd be nice if I can keep the same, um, same schedule, win the oar, not get it taken off me on protest and then, uh, <laughs> straighten a plane and, uh, yeah, off to, uh, off to Las Vegas. My manager usually gives me a spray when I tell him I might have to get off one. So I'll just be praying when the, uh, acceptances come out. So I think my flight's at 7.20. So I, uh, I should have a little bit of time uh, up my sleeve to, to get, get straight out of here and get on the plane. Is it a pretty tight turnaround when you, when you get to Vegas? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you can fly to LA straight in a, straight in a flight to Vegas, and then uh, you get in late Saturday night, obviously, and then the game Sunday, and then sort of probably a bit of lunch Monday, back on a flight Tuesday. So I've seen Taylor Swift set up to Japan. I thought, mine's even worse than that. I don't know why everyone's carrying on a bit like, like that for, but uh, yeah, but I'll be, yeah, I mean, it's all worth it, but um, yeah, quick turnaround, but I mean, as long as I get to see the game live, I'm happy to do it. I mean, I love the sport. I've been watching it since I reckon I was 10 years old. So I just love the, the strategy and all that. And I guess it's a little bit of out for me from racing as well. Like, I love Monday setting up camp and, and watching all the games. And then, I mean, the Super Bowl is just the pinnacle, you know, the finish off the year. So if you can be there and watch it in person, why not? You got good suits. There you, there you go, Rich. So um, that's, yeah. that's an amazing type of um, life that you can have. But you wouldn't want to have yeah. a traffic traffic. Um, traffic situations on the Tallamarine freeways. He's trying to duck out of Caulfield to get to his plane. You can't get more airborne than that. You've ridden the last two Melbourne Cup winners and you're going to go to probably the best Super Bowl ever in Vegas. Um, yeah, kudos to him. Brilliant. But what, where are you at with it? So if you were, like, let's presume yeah. Mark Zara's flying business class, right? If I had to think about it, right? If I was offered tickets to, like, Super Bowl, but I had to fly like economy for because he's going. It's a seventy-two hour trip, right? So you're basically in the air for one day, you're at the Super Bowl for one day, and then you fly home. 
I don't think I could do it economy class. I think it just knocked no. me around too much. It'd be business class, yes, yeah, sweet. Economy, 100%. I just don't think I'd do it. Now, what, where, where are you at? So I think I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Like, unless you're a follower of one of the sides playing in Super Bowl, and it's going to be complete mayhem. It's the biggest party of the year in the biggest party town in the world. Yeah. So good luck trying to get into a nightclub unless you're but, – um, but Unless you're Mark Zara. Mark Zara, because he's great mates with Sheik Fahad, who's a great racing supporter, and I think he looks after them. Jamie Spencer and the like, I think Will Bourne goes as well. So I uh-huh. think they've got seats that you can basically touch the players. So yeah. – um, yeah, he's living the dream. And racing, that's the beautiful game that we live in, that you can meet all people from all different walks of life. And there's some powerful people in the racing game. And I think Mark's been able to team up with a few of them, and away he goes. Yeah, yeah, so, that's great to see. Yeah, just I'd be interested if a few, a few yeah. listeners come in and say, would anyone be willing to do that whole 72-hour trip all in economy? Yeah. Um, for the, I guess, you know, it's pretty epic. I'm sure there's people out there who'd be, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that would it. do it, especially if they're like a – a fan of um, one of the sides playing in it. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 0499736736, let us know. We'll take a break. I'm ask Rich about his thoughts on Imperatrix trials straight after this. This is Getting Up Straight Game. Richard Irvine and Gareth Hall with you. Richie from the Wolf Den. Richie, Imperatrix, I know you went and visited Ben Gleeson the other day. What did you make of her trials? This is... To be or not to be, do we get on her for the lightning stakes or did that concern you? Um, I think it's very weak of the bookies that they've kept her around the even money mark. Yes. Um, I think that she's all, I mean, how can she not get out on the day um, when she does run? I know it's still Well, a she's gone from $1.75 to two oh five, basically. Yeah, but that's like, she should be three, like. $3. She yeah. should be $3. You know, there's, there's good horses, very good horses in that field. Um, so, but what did I think? So, interestingly, I went and sort of recorded a podcast on site with Ben Gleeson. We spoke at length about Imperatrice because, of course, why wouldn't we? He said that she's pretty lazy around the stable. Also said that a big part of her preparation is getting her away from Cranbourne to really switch her on. Now, interestingly, that trial the other day was at Cranbourne, which might have explained a bit. I think probably Tiako like it because it takes a bit of a pressure off them. I mean, she's the best horse in Australia, the best horse in Australasia, you know, we don't know how far and how high she's going to go this this yeah. year. Um, and look, it's 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 good. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, what did I make of it? Oh, uh, you know, I yeah. I think we what, just um, wait and see. Wait and see, but it's it's yeah. great. It's I think you know uh, some of the criticisms of Black Caviar was that she didn't race against much. Um, but what I think is exciting about Imperatrice, I'm not I'm not saying she's anywhere near Black Caviar yet, but the standard is pretty high that she's racing against. And if she can continue to yeah. beat them up like she did in the spring, um, you know, we've probably got another Look out. real superstar in the wings, black caviar kind of mold. So yeah, that's what I'm excited about. I mean, I, I think we all love that. We, you know, we, we've been super lucky. Our generation, we've had black caviar and winks. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it'd be great to get another one. And the closest thing we've got at the moment is her. So let's, let's see what happens. So, um, Mr. Brightside resumes. I think he's the highlight horse this weekend. He goes around the CF horse stakes. He's at $1.95. Mm. Dean Watling, our trial man, says he wasn't – he says he trial. He believes that he's trialed better heading towards the spring than he is heading towards his first up effort in the horse stakes. So mm. um, he jumped out at Flemington on Friday. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. But he does look the winner, doesn't he, at $1.95. You can't see V8 beating him. 
No, no, like a three-year-old jumping up against, yeah. you know, the, the best middle distance weight for H horse in the country. Um, no. And uh, yeah, super exciting horse. I love him. I think everybody loves him. It's, it's just great to have these these good horses back. They're back before you know it after the after the spring. And yeah, I can't wait for um, Saturday. And obviously the Blue Diamond is looking like a, a, a sort of a, a pretty vintage edition, a lot of great horses. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Bold Bastille. Um, yes. It had a little bit of little bit of a setback, but she's back. And I think she's going to be the dominant favorite in the race. She was super impressive at Mooney Valley. Um, you know, she sort of doesn't get spoken about much in, in, in the slipper at the moment. Um, but yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how she goes. Now we're running out of time, Rich. I've got, um, I've got, um, a multi for you at the Meadows Ooh. Saturday nine. I think you can back Scalacci at $12, the yeah. Phoenix winner. She, he's yeah. a big price Scalacci. The stays yeah. race in the soon top. You can leave her alone at Menangle. A Cranbourne, you got Leap to Fame. He's a dollar ten, um, mm. but he'll be winning, so that's better than bank interest. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's probably against your theory about punting on a dollar ten, <laughs> but sometimes a dollar ten can be value. And then um, at um, Menangle, there's a horse in the Hondo Grattan. What price? A dollar eighty-five. Don't stop dreaming. It was one of the biggest runs you'll ever see in the AG Hunter Cup last Saturday for the champion Mark Purd. And Jack Callaghan takes the drive. I think he's a play. Don't stop dreaming at a dollar eighty-five into Saturday. The best bet. I like Griff to defeat Tom Kitten. Okay. In the Eskimo. Yeah. Great. Have you got a winner for us today? Yeah, so I spoke to some of the boys at the yes. Den. Uh, I spoke to the King Zone and the Fizzer and yes. Dream Team. They're three of the big dogs at the Den, and this is what they came up with. You want yeah. me just to read them to you yes. now? So this is all today. Uh, so for the King Zone, Eagle Farm, race three, number six, Benici's Spirit, about $3. Yep. Then the Fizzer gave me, he's always very, um, yes. he, he plays a very straight, <laughs> he plays a very straight bat, the Fizzer. He's he's tipped as Eagle Farm, race six, number 10, Ocean Zar. It's $1.60, so he's not really stepping out of his crease much there. Um, but this is his first time on, you know, in the bright lights yeah. of, of a national audience. So he probably just wants to get one under the belt. And then Dream Team, um, who's we consider one of the best sorts in racing, he's uh, he's tipping Sandown race seven, number nine, lavish thinking. It's at a it's at a tasty price of six dollars fifty. And you were talking about multis earlier, and you could do worse things than multi. Then I'm up, I think you'll end up paying about thirty to one. Okay. And, um, you never know. You got a dream, and if that got up, it'd get everyone in a pretty good position as the as the best horses come back for Saturday. And, and of course, we've got the Australian Cup Greyhound starting yeah. um, as well and plenty of harness stuff. So we need a bank. We do. Um, yeah. Hey, next time this week, so you got the King Fizzer. I'll get tags. I'll get tags and we'll take you on. We'll see what we can do. Great. We've got Chris, so, but we can have a little You'll bit of You'll probably beat us up. But, yeah. No, I reckon. $200 we'll put in um, um, and we'll go. That can be our staking plan and we'll see. Like Tag says, he's like, don't take on the tags to double Cobra. Um, <laughs> I love to see the king do the double cobra sometimes on with them, see if we can get that up and about. But it'll be a lot of fun. Hey, mate, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. That was just a little bit of just to get to know each other and um, yeah. our our family here on Giddy Up. But um, the first look, date, basically. Yeah, how'd it go? You going to see me next week or not? <laughs> I'll see. I'll see. We, don't, don't they take a while to let yeah. people know? Now they have to wait a few days. Yeah, do you bloody better text me back straight away. I'll give you the tip. Thanks for that, Rich. Appreciate it, mate. Cool, mate. Thank you very much. There's Rich Irvine from the Wolf Den, and that was the first ever Giddy Up the Great Game. We'll have a lot of fun throughout the year.